Welcome to the Succeed with Content Strategy podcast, the show that shares knowledge and insights into applying content strategy principles to your marketing and professional efforts. I'm your host, Rebecca Stewart, content strategist, content strategy coach, and co-founder of Content Academy. In this podcast, I share the latest trends and get the inside scoop from business owners, marketers, and content strategy professionals on how their content is propelling them forward. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and let's start learning how we can succeed with content strategy. Before we start the episode, I have a couple of questions for you. Are you a marketer tasked with starting and managing your organization's blog? Are you a writer who wants to become an exceptional digital copywriter? Or are you a content strategist or content strategist wannabe trying to stay on top of the latest trends and best practices? Stay motivated and find content strategy success by joining the Succeed with Content Strategy cohort sponsored by Content Academy. You'll be part of a diverse group of professionals who face a common challenge, developing the best content strategy to achieve business or career goals. As a member of the cohort, you'll have opportunities to learn from leaders in the field, ask fellow cohort members their opinions on ideas, trends, and challenges, and support others as we all try to make the internet a better, more organized space, all through content. The most exciting part about this cohort is we're offering free enrollment from September to December of 2018. We're kicking off the cohort with those who understand the value of camaraderie, support, and community. To learn more about the cohort and to join for free, visit succeedwithcontentstrategy.com and use the promo code SUCCEED. Hello, welcome to the Succeed with Content Strategy podcast. We are on episode six, and the topic is focused on content strategy for podcasting. Now, never did I think I would be hosting a podcast, but I decided that it's a great medium to not only share my knowledge and insights into content strategy, but more importantly, share the knowledge and insights of my talented and skilled colleagues and share stories of professionals who are succeeding with content strategy. So once I decided to start the podcast, the first thing I did was outline the content strategy, of course. So here's what I did. I created a Google Doc and wrote on the top, the Succeed with Content Strategy podcast. For some reason, writing that down made it feel so real. Then I started asking myself questions about the purpose of the podcast. I asked, why start a podcast? What is the end game for having a podcast? How will this support the Succeed with Content Strategy cohort? Once I had those answers, then I started thinking about who would find the information helpful. So my questions were, who needs a podcast about content strategy? What would they want to know? What would make them want to listen? What topics would they want to learn about? And how often would they want to listen? Then I started thinking about logistics. Was, how am I going to record the interviews? How much will this cost? How do I post the podcast? Where do I post them? What equipment do I need? Finally, I asked the most important question of all. Who can help me? So you know how people say networking and continuous learning is so important? They're right. A few months ago, I attended an introduction to podcasts lecture at Nextdoor. It's a free lecture. And without doing that, I never would have met Andrea Klender. Andrea is the founder of The Creative Imposter. She helps people and organizations launch and produce podcasts. During Andrea's presentation, it was clear that she found her passion and she had the skills to be a successful podcast producer the exact person I needed to help me with my podcast. 
So after spending two hours trying to record and edit my introduction to my podcast, a tiny little segment, I knew it was time to call the expert. Now, I couldn't remember Andrea's name, so I went to Nextdoor, and she, of course, is still teaching, offering these free, valuable lessons. And so I went to her website, emailed her, and I think within an hour, I was on the phone with her talking about my needs. And then within one week, we were working together. Not only is she skilled at producing amazing podcasts, she is so customer-friendly and so patient. I'm excited for you to hear my interview with Andrea. She provides amazing insight into what you need to start a podcast from a content strategy point of view. We're not going to talk about the equipment you need or the editing skills you need to have. We're focusing only on the content strategy part of it. Her information will help you if you are starting your own podcast or if you're recommending it to your client. After you've listened to the interview, let me know your thoughts on podcasting by posting a comment on my Facebook or Instagram page at Succeed with Content Strategy. Also, remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can be alerted when new episodes are posted. Now, on to the interview. I am so excited to introduce to you the woman who has made this podcast possible, Andrea Klunder. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Rebecca. (laughs) Seriously, I'm so excited to talk to you and to share your insights with the audience because you had just helped me through this process and made me feel so comfortable making this podcast happen. Well, that is wonderful. That's what I want to (laughs) do. So here's how I met Andrea. I went to a free lecture at Nextdoor in Chicago, which is a state farm cafe that promotes free education classes. And I saw this class of how do you start a podcast? I can't remember the exact title. And I said, oh, this, here's a woman. She's the founder of The Creative Imposter. She's been doing this for three years. She knows what she's doing. So went to the class. It was packed. We were in this room, so many people. So many people want to learn about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you just made everything so simple. And so when I decided to do this podcast, I emailed you and you, I think you responded and within two hours. And by Monday, I think we were started. So that's impressive right there. (laughs) (laughs) I have no concept of time in online space. It's like, if you catch me at the right time, I will respond immediately because I know that if it gets pushed down to the bottom of my email then we have a problem. So I always try to respond as fast as I can, if I can. Well, and I can imagine you get bombarded because with people just trying to understand how this works and, you know, they're feeling anxious and excited. And so what I want to talk about today is how can we help people understand what they need to know, not about the actual, how do you create a podcast, but get your content strategy figured out so you know what you want to say. Yeah, I'm really glad that you want to talk about that because, like you said, podcasting is hot right now. It's very popular. People are curious about it. Classes, lectures, talks that I do often are jam-packed full of people who want to start their own podcast. And I think that sometimes it might seem fairly simple. And a lot of times people will say, well, I already know exactly what I want to do. I just need help with the tech. And the tech is the part that feels mysterious or overwhelming However, once you get into it and you get over that tech hump, 
it can be really challenging to keep going and keep producing your content if you don't have a really clear strategy in mind for what you're doing and why you're doing it. That is a very good point. So how do you work with people to help them through that process? Yeah, so I offer a few different services. First of all, you mentioned the free classes that I offer at Nextdoor Chicago, and that's sort of an introductory type of information situation. So those are free and they're like 90 minutes. And I'm glad that you thought it was simple because sometimes I feel like I'm overwhelming people with information because I want to get everything in that I possibly can because I want people to walk out of those classes feeling empowered and feeling confident. And then I also offer a podcast called Podcast Envy, which is really all about the craft of podcasting. And that podcast is less about what kind of microphone should I use and more about some of these deeper questions, like how do I think about this more strategically? What are some of the aspects of podcasting that maybe I haven't quite thought about until I'm already a few episodes in and now I'm wondering, how do I get more people to listen? Is anyone listening? How do I make sure that my podcast is actually making a difference or that anyone cares? If I stopped podcasting tomorrow, would anyone even notice (laughs) those kinds of questions? (laughs) And so those are kind of the free intro level type things that I offer. And then I do offer consulting and coaching. Primarily up to this point, it's been for launch, for the launch phase, for getting started, because that's where a lot of people are right now. But now I'm even getting people who've been podcasting a little bit longer who are asking those questions about, okay, so I have 20 episodes. Okay, so I have 50 episodes. Okay, so this, this, this has happened. Now, what do I do? And so those kinds of coaching scenarios are where we look at really what are your goals for the podcast? Why are you podcasting in general? And also, why are you podcasting as opposed to blogging? Or why are you podcasting as opposed to having a YouTube channel? Because one of the things that I don't think is very glamorous about podcasting is that it's more of a long tail marketing strategy. So and not every podcast is about marketing, of course, but I'm assuming that for most of your listeners, Rebecca, that that is the primary thing that people have in mind is that it's something about client development or client education and enrichment and marketing that is the main driver behind wanting to have a podcast in the first place. And what people don't realize is that it's not really like you're going to create a podcast And then thousands of people are magically going to find you in the Apple store. And then all of a sudden, you're going to have all these new clients. Unfortunately, it doesn't quite work that way. And it's really more of a long tail marketing strategy, meaning that it can take some time to build up that loyal listener base and that following to a point where you can actually start converting people through your content strategy. It's a very effective way of marketing and building a brand in that when people are listening to your podcast, they tend to develop the know, like, and trust with you in a very intimate way because your voice is literally in their heads, (laughs) right? Right. (laughs) And we do form really strong connections psychologically with people through their voice. And you would think that video would be more effective for that. And I've read research that suggests that actually there are so many more obstacles to forming a connection with somebody on video than there are with audio, like immediate prejudices based on the way that the person looks 
or if the quality of their video is not outstanding, that might present a barrier, or some people are just not as comfortable communicating on camera as they are with a microphone when you're sitting in a room with nobody staring at you. Sometimes it's easier to be more relaxed and be more yourself and be more authentic than when there's a camera and there's lights and you have to worry about how your makeup looks or what you're wearing or this or that. And so you have the potential and the capacity to build these really strong relationships with people and get them to really feel like they know you. However, it takes a long time. And sometimes I think people want that immediate gratification. They want like the quick downloads. I'll see people ask, what's a good number of downloads to have in the first week of launching? And there's absolutely no such number. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, if anyone downloaded your show in the first week of launching, that feels like success to me. (laughs) And it was probably your mom. Right. It's definitely (laughs) not my mom. She, (laughs) I had to show her how to put my (laughs) show on her iPad. And now she's like, my storage is full. How do I get these off of here? (laughs) (laughs) Never ends, does it? (laughs) Well, you bring up a good point with the whole video and makeup and lighting. And, you know, I think about this as I started podcasting as I'm great at communicating through words and slide decks and explaining my thoughts that way. But once it comes to freeform talking and coming up with a plan of what am I going to say, you know, I think about radio hosts who are trained to do this. Mm-hmm. So yes, you may have a great content strategy. You may have a great idea that you want to share with people and have podcast episodes that are just amazing. But if you cannot be a great interviewer or present your voice in a way that people are going to want to keep hearing it, you know, that's a problem. There's definitely a skill and a craft to using the audio medium most effectively. First of all, (laughs) I actually created a really, I didn't mean for it to be controversial, but I created a controversial post that I think I originally posted it on Instagram and then I pushed it to my Facebook. And for whatever reason, I'd been home a lot that week and I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I was specifically looking for new podcasts to listen to that I had never discovered before. And, you know, I'll download an episode of like six new podcasts, and then I'll start listening. And if I'm totally just going off of search and totally going cold off of something that looks vaguely interesting, or I like the cover, or it was recommended to me, you know, by some algorithm because I liked a different podcast, there is a very high probability that I'll get about 30 seconds to a minute into that podcast. And then I'll be like, nope, not for me. And I'll just delete and then I'll move on to the next one. And there's a very small percentage that I'll actually subscribe to. And what I realized is that the quickest way for me to decide, nope, not for me, is actually the podcast host's voice. And that wasn't what I expected. I expected it would be like the content or maybe the audio quality because I'm a big snob when it comes to audio quality. And it was actually the sound of the person's voice. So I posted this just kind of as like a random thoughts as I'm sitting here listening to podcasts. And it spawned a whole conversation between two people that I know, one who is a filmmaker and media producer and one who is actually a voice teacher and actor, theater actor. And they were talking about, well, how much of voice is what you're born with versus how much is skill and training? 
and how much can somebody improve their voice. And if someone has no vocal technique whatsoever, if they're really passionate about something, will that be more important? Because that'll really come through in their voice that they're so passionate. Is that more important than knowing the technique or the skill of how to use your voice? And it turned into this big, long back and forth conversation and other people were chiming in. And I think that it's both and that we all have a voice. And in our culture, we're not always taught or supported in being confident in using it. So when you're writing a blog post or you're typing something on social media, tone of voice has nothing to do with it, right? It's really just strictly the content. But as soon as you're podcasting, the way that you say something and the way that you use your voice, it can magnify and amplify your message so much more strongly if you're thoughtful about it and if you know a little bit more about what you're doing. That said, it doesn't mean that every podcaster is going to go out and take voice lessons or theater lessons or, you know, broadcasting lessons or coaching or anything like that. But I think that there are some things that you can do just to be a little bit thoughtful about how your voice is coming across. And it's okay if in the beginning, you're not an awesome interviewer. I was not an awesome interviewer when I first started. I was so nervous that my first few interviews, I had my questions written out. And I just went down the list and asked my questions and I would listen to the answer and then I would say, okay, great. And then I would move on to the next question (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't want to deviate from the script. (laughs) I didn't want to get lost. I didn't want to forget to ask something. When I listen back, I think, well, what she said was super interesting. I should have just responded to what she said and asked her the next logical question, which had nothing to do with what was on my paper. But I was learning. I was new. I was nervous. It was fine, you know, not the end of the world. And so over time, I think the more that you do it, the more that you practice, and the more that you listen to yourself, unfortunately, because that's something I hate doing. But the more that you listen to yourself, you'll become more skillful. You'll get better at doing it. You'll hear, oh, it doesn't sound so good when I do this. Or, oh, I really was saying like a lot. And that doesn't sound professional or things like that. Of course, it also helps if you have an editor, right? (laughs) Well, exactly. That is just the key. You know, you bring up just the key points, the biggest things I was worried about because everyone hates listening to their voice. And so when I did have to listen to it, I noticed how much I slurred words. Hmm. And, you know, getting out of your comfort zone makes you a better person. It creates the best you, because you're constantly learning and creating skills to be a great podcaster. So I knew going in and one of the things that you made me so comfortable of saying, hey, don't worry if it's not perfect, it will get better. And it's actually kind of nice to see the progression of improvement. You don't want to just be great right off the bat. Yeah, I think that there's a certain (laughs) vulnerability to podcasting. And that brings up something that I think is really important in terms of your content strategy is one of the reasons why podcasting can be so effective for building that know, like, and trust is because it tends to be a little bit longer format than what you would see on YouTube or social media or something like that, or even broadcast or radio or television. And so there's time for the listener to develop a relationship with you as the host, and even time for them to develop a relationship with your guest if you're going to have guests on your show. And the more authentic and natural and conversational and 
vulnerable, not necessarily in the sense that you need to be like sharing all of your personal details and information, but just that you can make a mistake every once in a while, or you can say something wrong and then say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I said that like that, and then change it, that you sound more like a normal person who's having a conversation or sharing something that you're really passionate about more so than this polished presenter. There are speaking skills that come into play in terms of, you know, you noticed, hey, I'm kind of slurring my words more than I thought. So just having that in the back of your mind, you'll probably be more conscious about it and just kind of try to take your time and speak more clearly the more you hear that. And that'll make you a better speaker. But it's not like you need to have a polished presentational, you know, this is the keynote speech of the century that you're giving in front of a thousand people. And so I think that that casualness to it and that ability to be more authentic and be more long form and be more conversational can be really effective in this particular medium. Absolutely. When I started, I was never a big podcast person until probably about six months ago. And it was an interview that was about a topic that I really wanted to learn about. And it was an interview with a woman who was interviewing someone who just made sense to me. It was great to hear the back and forth. And she asked the questions I had. And so I took that and then I started listening to other podcasts to say, what is it that I liked that I think my audience would want to know? Mm -hmm. And I think for what is important to understand, even if you're listening and you are not interested in doing a podcast for you, but you are the content strategist who is recommending a podcast for your client. So those are the types of things that you have to be aware of, of saying, all right, here's your message. Here's your voice. Here's the tone when we, the way that we're presenting this information to help the person who is going to actually do the podcast. So you have to be that guide as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, taking that pressure off, especially if you know that you're going to work with an editor. And I always recommend that. So either you have a lot of free time on your hands and you're pretty tech savvy and you want to learn how to do the editing yourself, or you are setting aside a budget to hire an editor. I think that that can really help and take the pressure off because you know that your editor, if you have a good one, always has your back and is always going to be listening to make sure that both you and your guest sound as good as you possibly can. You know, we're going to help with any audio quality issues that may have come up as best we can. We're going to listen for things that sound repetitive, or we're going to, you know, make recommendations of how you can improve, you know, if that's the type of editor that you've hired, and you know that it's not live. So if you did say something really fast, or if you did misspeak, you can always pause and then say it again And it's always going to get fixed. So that takes a lot of the pressure off because it's not that live medium. And it is fairly easy to edit or have edited. And I think that really helps. And then the other thing that I think is really important to keep in mind is that podcasting is primarily a storytelling medium. And so anytime that you can, especially if you're the strategist who is working with a client, anytime that you can look at how you can insert a story into it can be helpful and a way for your listeners to make a connection and learn. Because it would be really easy just to make episodes where you're just teaching about a particular topic and, you know, kind of like your slide deck presentation or something like that. 
But what listeners are really going to connect with are those stories. So like how you told the story of the podcast that really got you into it, that really got you thinking about it. Or how I told a story of when I first started doing my early interviews and I would go down the list and ask all those questions. Those are the little stories or the little nuggets that people are going to connect with that bring them in. So when you're looking at the strategy of what is my content, sure, you might be teaching about a specific topic, but you're also looking for what are the stories that I can tell or that I can share that will help support that topic. Yeah, those are great tips. With the podcast that you've been working on with editing and and supporting, what is the ratio between people who are interviewing people versus just talking on their own? Ooh, that's a good question. I think that interview-based podcasts in general are probably the most prevalent right now. People are doing more of an interview-based show I'm a big fan, and I don't think I've talked with you about this yet, but I'm a big fan, if you have a largely interview-based show, of inserting solo episodes mixed in, like maybe once a month, or if you have an every other week show, maybe once every couple of months, of having a solo episode where it's just you talking about something that's important to you or something that has come up in the industry that you want to comment on. I think that those solo episodes really help your listeners to get to know you on a different level than when you're the host who's interviewing. It's actually interesting. My first show that I ever created is called The Creative Imposter. That's how my company and my studio got its name. And that show is on a little bit of a hiatus right now because I want to kind of reinvent it. I'm kind of tired of doing interview shows. And so (laughs) I want to do something creative, but I don't know what yet. That show is primarily interviews. And then I also do solo episodes here and there. And when I first started that show, I wanted it to be all interviews. And I realized that interviews take a lot longer to produce and edit than solo shows do. And I did not have enough time in my life to (laughs) put out a consistent show that was all interviews. And so I started doing the solos really just as a way to save time and still have content. And what I hear from my listening audience is that They love the interviews, and I actually get more downloads of my interview episodes because usually your guest is also going to promote the episode, so you'll always get new listeners who didn't know about your show before but do know about your guest or are on their mailing list or their social media. But my solo episodes, even though they get fewer downloads, my core group of listeners love those episodes more than the interviews because of that relationship that they're building with me. So I think that both can be really useful and really interesting. And then there's like this whole other possibility with podcasting that I think that marketers and content creators haven't fully tapped into yet, which is that audio is such a flexible medium. Why do we think that the only kinds of shows you can have are solo shows where it's just the host talking and interview shows? You know, I'm in this place right now where I'm thinking, what else can we do with audio that's more experimental or that would be a different kind of format? I mean, you can also do like a panel where you have multiple people, but are there ways that we could be using music more creatively? Are there ways that we could be using other elements of storytelling Those are kinds of things that I'm also thinking about. And then I also have one show that I produce for the Santa Fe Opera. And that show is called Key Change. 
That's cute. I like that. That's cute. <laughs> I'm glad you like that. It took us forever to come up with the name. Oh, you should have heard our brainstorming sessions. They were ridiculous. I mean, it went everything from like Opera 2.0 to like Sonder, the podcast, you know, like a very wide range. There's so many different ways to think about that. That's awesome. Exactly. So it's kind of a behind the scenes podcast where we're looking at a specific initiative that their company is doing through their community outreach and education department. And they wanted to model it off of more of like an NPR style format where you have a theme for the episode. And then you have all these different interviews that maybe you pull from like four or five different interviews and cut them together. And there's musical transitions. And I think that podcast is really turning out really well. We have one season out and we're working on the second season right now. But doing a show like that is a lot of work, like a lot of work. I can imagine. Yeah. And their budget is a lot bigger than an individual podcaster, you know, like someone like yourself who is just, you know, kind of a one woman show (laughs) and is working to build up the client base. So There's a range of potential out there. It just depends on what your resources are and what it is that you're trying to communicate. I love the fact that you're trying to think of new ways to make podcasts interesting Mm -hmm. and help your clients think that through because eventually, you know, it does change. It does evolve. And I think as content strategists, it's a really good point to say, don't be status quo. If you have an idea, go for it. Try it out. Find the partner like you who can help make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's another huge thing is not podcasting alone in a vacuum (laughs) and thinking about community. And I know it used to be that podcasting was this completely niche thing. And it is actually still really niche. Like it's a very low percentage of people in the United States who actually listen to podcasts. It's still fairly niche. But it used to be even more niche in that you could create a good quality interview show and put it up there and you could get featured in Apple iTunes and it would be really easy for people who were looking for podcasts to discover your show. And there are people who've been podcasting since before the iPhone ever existed who have huge audiences because for a long time they were the only entrepreneurial interview based podcast, right? Or they were the only podcast about yoga and meditation, or they were the only podcast about this or that. But now it's so popular that this past January 2018, Apple had more new podcasts launch in a single month than ever before in the history of podcasts. Oh my gosh. And so when you think about that, it's like, okay, well, whatever I want to podcast about, there's probably already a podcast about that in some way, shape or form. So how does mine stand out? What is different about mine? What's unique? What's my angle? How can I take like the niche of content strategy and make it even more specific? And then the other part of that is how am I going to build a community around this? Because it's not enough just to create the podcast. You also have to get people to discover your podcast and want to listen to it and make it a habit of listening to it. So Are you going to integrate that podcast with a Facebook group or with a group coaching program or an in-person meetup group or some kind of online forum? Like, What are the ways that you're going to build community amongst your audience 
so that it's not just you talking into a microphone speaking to you have no idea who on the other side, but what are the ways that you're going to create engagement? What are the ways that you're going to ask for feedback from your audience or get your audience to participate in a survey or share some kind of opt-in that creates an interactive relationship through your email list with your audience? So thinking about community, thinking about making connections and how you're going to do that around your show. And that community might also include other podcasters, right? It might also include other content strategists. It might include other people who are interested in what you're doing, you know, and in supporting you so that if it does get challenging or if it does get overwhelming or your download numbers aren't quite what you want them to be right away, you have that encouragement to keep going. Well, I think that is a great point that if you're going to do a podcast that you better commit to it in a way that you want to have a conversation with people beyond your recording. And that's where, you know, well, Succeed with Content Strategy has a Facebook group and we're starting a cohort. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole purpose. And that's why having this podcast is a way to let people know that that cohort's there and to spark ideas of wow, I didn't think I could do this, but yeah, let's do this. And I like too your idea about doing your own individual podcast without an interview, because I was just thinking about that actually the other day, I'm doing this content audit and it's like, okay, I have beef about calling it a content audit versus a content inventory or assessment. Hmm. And so, you know, those are the types of things of, if you're in that group, people who have a problem and want to learn about that, they are going to listen and then they're mm -hmm. going to want to contact you. So be prepared. I had a woman who presented at Content Academy who was a blogger and she said, it's 20% creating the content, 80% sharing it. Mm, yeah, I think that's totally true. And for someone like me, I would consider myself to be a producer and creator more so than a marketer. And so it's really challenging for someone like me who I just want to sit in my, I record in a converted kitchen pantry <laughs> that I recorded into a little vocal booth. And I would rather just sit here in my, you know, in my kitchen pantry and record content all day and never have to promote it and never have to send an email and never have to post on Facebook. That would be my ideal world. But until I can hire somebody to do all of my marketing and social for me, <laughs> the reality exactly. is that if I do that, so many fewer people are ever going to hear what I'm creating. So right. I, I totally get that. So I would like to talk about you for a little bit. And how do you do this all day? Because I think about the edits. I have a couple pauses and a podcast I just interviewed before yours. So be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to so many different podcasts. How do you stay involved with it? Yeah. So as a business, I never set out to be a podcast editor in the first place. <laughs> right. My first show, The Creative Imposter, I started in 2015. And I actually had no idea how to create a business around podcasting. My first foray into entrepreneurship, I had started a yoga studio in Chicago because I have taught and still a little bit teach yoga. And I had created my own yoga studio and I ran that business for five years and it was so expensive to maintain and so slow to grow the client base and the revenue that I couldn't keep up with my expenses and I ended up closing that business. And when I closed that business, I had no idea what I wanted to do next. I did not particularly want to go get a job, nor did I have any money left to try to start something new. And so I kind of 
just started a podcast because it was something that had been suggested to me a long time ago by a business coach who also happens to be in the yoga industry. And it was interesting. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I have a background. My undergraduate degree is in broadcast media and communications, even though I never like did radio or TV or anything like that. So I started this podcast just as something interesting to do. And I said, let me just start this. I know that other people have built businesses around podcasts. I'll start it and I'll just see where it takes me and I'll just see what happens. And people started not only listening to the show, but mentioning to me how they were thinking about starting their own show and asking me for advice and asking me questions about what do you use to record and where do you get guests and this and that. And the more people were asking me for advice, I was like, oh, I should probably charge for this. I should probably... (laughs) Right. Exactly. Use this to make some money. Uh-huh. And so I started doing some coaching and consulting. Oh, yeah. And I still wasn't editing yet at that point either. I had learned how to edit my own podcast because I didn't have a budget. I didn't have any money to hire somebody. My partner is a filmmaker. And so he's familiar with audio editing software. And so he basically helped teach me. And what we didn't know about the audio part, we just kind of learned together on YouTube and looking up tutorials and So I learned how to edit myself, and then I started offering the launch services, and how I started doing that was just on a whim on my show one day. I said, hey, if you're interested in launching your own podcast, why not sign up for my podcast Envy VIP launch service? You can schedule a free call with me. A listener I had never met before in LA signed up to do a discovery call, and we talked for 20 minutes, and she said, okay, yep, I'm ready to sign up. How much is it? And I didn't even know. I didn't have a price because I never thought anyone would sign up. I love this story. I can just picture you going onto your website, adding a page as you're going, as you're talking. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, I couldn't make up a number on the spot. I'm like, oh, I'll send you an estimate and then we can go from there. And so I did. And she said yes. And we launched her show. And then from there, she wanted me to teach her how to edit. And I thought that I could do this. Well, one, it's really hard to do remotely. Like, I can't even imagine. That's just not great. And Two, there's a lot of what I do that's more intuitive because I am self-taught that when I try to explain it to someone else, it almost doesn't make sense. Right. And after one session, she was like, nope, don't want to learn how to edit. Just want you to do it for me. How much would that cost? (laughs) Completely understand. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so then it just kind of spiraled from there. And I was like, well, if I'm editing her show... Maybe there are other people who would want me to edit their show. And so I looked it up, like, who else is editing podcasts? What are they charging? How does that work? And it just kind of grew organically from there. And so now I think I have five independent editing clients, plus my own show, plus the Santa Fe Opera show, and then like consulting and launching here and there. And some people end up editing their own shows, and some people end up hiring me to do it. And I now have an assistant that I work with who she does like a preliminary edit where she goes through and cleans out the mistakes, the pauses, the stammers, the misspeaks, the ums, you know, somebody's taking a drink of water sounds (laughs) or whatever it is. She goes through and does all that. And then she makes notes for me. Hey, there's this one part where this sounds a little confusing. You might want to listen to that or this one part where they talked over each other. And she kind of makes those notes for me. And then I go back and listen and just tighten things up from there. So (laughs) she probably listens to more of these podcasts than I do at this point. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But it's been really great. (laughs) Right, right. That's smart. But I also only take clients who 
I actually am interested in what their podcast is about. Well, that makes sense because I can't imagine listening to something that is no so not interesting. <laughs> I couldn't. It wouldn't work because, you know, even if Maddie's going to work on it, I do end up listening to the whole episode because I want to charge a slightly higher rate for my clients and know that they're 100% getting the top of the line quality. Well, I'll say it's totally worth it. And I'm so glad to hear that because that's what we need. And that's one thing that keep in mind is we always feel like we have to do everything. And the one thing that I've learned as an entrepreneur and trying to get this going is you can't do everything. Mm-hmm. And if you try to do everything, it will never get done. Yeah. So something like visual designer, podcast editor, just it's so worth the investment. You'll get your money back if peace of mind alone. Mm-hmm. And it always is good to have another set of ears listening to your show because, you know, if you can get candid feedback from somebody who's really closely listening to your show, then that can be so super useful. Right. So what is the first thing someone should do if they want to start a podcast? Two things. One is write down why you want to start your podcast. And the answer should not be to get more clients. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) That's true. That can be on like, you know, further down, like reason number five or six. That's fine. It's totally a fine reason. But Why podcasting? Why is it that that you want to focus on? And what are listeners going to get? What are you contributing that's of value? What do you have? What message do you have that's out there? And what is it about speaking into a microphone and recording and having your voice out there that's going to be rewarding to you as well? So you're thinking about why do you want to do this? And you're thinking about it from how are the listeners going to benefit and how are you going to benefit? And then the second thing is to listen to podcasts. It surprises me sometimes when I hear people starting a podcast and I say, well, what podcast do you like to listen to? Or what are some examples of how you'd like your show to sound? And they're like, oh, I don't listen to podcasts. Oh my gosh. It it always surprises me, but it's actually more common than I ever would have thought. And so I think you should definitely do a keyword search. Go in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for Android and do a keyword search for keywords that are related to your topic and see what else is out there and see what's missing that you can add to the conversation that isn't currently being offered in your particular way. That's how I came up with The Creative Imposter. I knew I wanted to do a podcast about creativity. I knew I wanted to do something about entrepreneurial type things. And I wanted to also talk about mindfulness. And there were so many different angles I could go. This idea of imposter syndrome kept pinging my brain. And I would hear entrepreneurial shows that talked about imposter syndrome, like maybe on an episode, they would mention it. But I couldn't find a show that was just about that. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to have a show that's about creativity, entrepreneurship and mindfulness. But the whole lens is going to be through this idea of imposter syndrome and authenticity and self-confidence. And that was how I landed on that specific topic, which seems to resonate really strongly with a lot of people in my target listening audience. So I wouldn't have known that if I wasn't listening to podcasts about creativity, entrepreneurship, and mindfulness, Right. right? right? I needed to see what was out there, but was kind of a gap that could be filled in. Yeah, that's brilliant. So next question is, how can they get in touch with you so you can help them? 
Yeah, absolutely. My website is The Creative Imposter, and you can spell imposter with an E-R or an O-R at the end. Ooh, both spellings impressive. are correct, <laughs> and both will take you to the correct place. So thecreativeimposter.com. They can also find my podcast about podcasting, which is Podcast Envy. That's available anywhere where you listen to podcasts. And definitely reach out to me. There's a contact page on my website. And then also you can find me as Andrea Clunder on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. It has been a pleasure working with you. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I've learned so much since working with you, and I really appreciate it. So there you have it. A huge thank you to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Imposter Studios for editing the Succeed with Content Strategy podcast. Please subscribe so you can hear more interviews from people who are succeeding with content strategy. 